Thank you. Well, greetings from KCC Hatfield. Um, I hope we're getting the levels okay pretty quick. Yep, good. Actually, this, uh, this, is, this is a dangerous thing. This, I was preaching in a, in a church some months ago and uh, visiting them, and I was marching around doing my thing, as you do, like this. And then I wanted to make a really, really big point. And so I went up to the lectern and I said, and so, brothers and sisters, and it shattered. It just shattered. And I'm, I'm, I'm let, there's all this stuff all over the floor around me. My Bible, my notes, bits of lectern. And there's a, there's a, nobody helped. Nobody helped. Just this lady down here, this girl with her camera, filming it. And she didn't switch the camera off or anything as I'm put through this embarrassment. Oh, oh. So I've already tested it, Chris. It's okay. <laughs> and let's, let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful to you that we know you. that you have given us new life. That our situation, our eternal future, everything we owe to you, our forgiveness. Lord, we're so grateful to be forgiven. And we're so, so delighted to be in the kingdom and to know you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, um, I don't know. It may come up on the screen, 1 Samuel 11. I want to, today just to take you through an Old Testament story which the, the Lord just uses in my heart uh, to bless me, and I hope, hope you'll get blessed. Because I love it the way God orchestrates history. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can talk to me. <laughs> so um, this story is about a town called Jabesh Gilead. And probably you've not heard or remembered from your Bible reading Jabesh Gilead. It's one of these stories that sort of sinks away um, into the background. But I want to bring it right into the foreground today. Jabesh Gilead, uh, before 1 Samuel 11, they had some history. And their history was that they had failed to respond to the calls to go to war for the holiness of God. And so they were people who were basically cowards. It was a, it was a cowardly town. The men of the city were cowardly. They had this besetting sin. They had this recurring thing. Cowardice. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you're like me, really, that you have 
things that the tempter can tempt you with again and again. Isn't that right? Again and again. It may not be cowardice. It may be something like chocolate. And someone gives you a box of chocolates. And if they're not Russian chocolates, with which I am very familiar, then you will look forward to eating them. And you will take your first chocolate. And it's nice. Mm. And you look at the box and you think, just one more. Yeah, just one more. That's okay. It's not gluttony. And then it's just one more. And lo and behold, an empty box. How did that happen? We get tempted, don't we? Jabesh Gilead were a group of people who were tempted. In Ephesians 2, it says, before you were saved, you were led about by the culture you lived in by your tendency, your bias towards sin, and by the tempter tempting you. You were led about by the nose. Every time, you thought you were making your decisions, but actually you were led about. Actually, you didn't make a lot of decisions. You just succumbed. You succumbed to your culture. You succumbed to the temptations that surrounded you. And Jesus came to set you free. And this story in the Old Testament is God showing us what he was going to do in Jesus. Showing us the revelation is here of what Jesus would do when he came. So the first thing to notice is that Jabesh Gilead are surrounded by the Ammonites and they're surrounded there, unable to fight their way out of the situation. They're besieged by the enemy. They're besieged by the enemy. And sometimes we can feel besieged by the enemy. We can feel as if there is no way out. And that's how they felt. They thought there's no way out. No way out. We can call for help. But why should they hear us? We let them down time and time again. Why should the rest of uh, our people hear us and come to our aid? Because we let them down. We have a history. We have a history of failure. We have a history of failure and therefore we feel like we're not worth anything. We're not worth saving. We're not worth being changed. Because we have this history of failure. And so they, they said to the Ammonites, you know, we'll, we'll give us time. We'll, we'll give in to you eventually. But give us some time to shout for help. Because the Ammonites said to them, look, we, we've got you surrounded. We've got you. And when you give in to us, as you will, we will make you serve us and we will gouge out everybody's right eye. Ooh, yuck. Gory story from the Old Testament. Gouging out right eyes. Why gouge out your right eye? 
Because in warfare, in battle, you needed your right eye to fire your arrow. Yeah. I was in, uh, in Russia and um, we were enjoying a fun fair in Russia. And there they, there they had, you know, the ducks in the row and the rifle. And uh, the guy behind the counter's going, Peshasta, Peshasta, you know, come, please. So I got hold of this rifle and shut my eye and aimed and knocked down the first duck. Very surprising. <laughs> I thought, you know, this, this rifle is bound to have been, you know, set to a, set some way. I just happened to have hit the bias straight away. So I held that bias, I shot all the ducks down. Hey. <laughs> and what, what happened next was really funny. He said, he said, ah, he said, James Bond. <laughs> you, can't, you can't battle effectively with one eye gouged out, especially if it's the right eye. Do you know the devil can incapacitate you? Did you know that? You, they will be incapacitated for life. There was no way they were going to get that eye back, you know, splat. That wasn't going to happen. Incapacitated for life. <clears throat> Yeah, they could live life, they would live life, enjoy it in many ways, but there would always be this nagging thing. I always fall for this, I always fall for this. The devil can get you in that sort of position where you're always falling for it. There's a whole segment of your life, which is fine, you know, you get on and you enjoy God in those areas and you worship and everything, but there is something the devil can always pick at you. He's disabled you for life. Well, Jabesh Gilead, they shouted out and they said, someone help us. And no one immediately responded. But Saul was coming in from the fields with his oxen. They say he's coming in with his oxen. There he was, coming home, looking forward to tea with his oxen. And uh, he was going along probably thinking about fish and chips or something. And as he gets towards Jabesh, he hears the, the noise of the wailing and the moaning. Whoa, what is to become of us? Whoa. And so he hears and he says, what's, what's going on? What's, what's this all about? And the, the people explain to him and he says, oh, oh no. And at that moment, the Bible says, the Spirit of God fell on Saul. The Spirit of God fell on him. I don't know what you think that's like, but it transformed Saul. From being a bloke wandering in with his oxen, suddenly he has the passion of God. Suddenly he knows what God is feeling about this situation. And what God is feeling, he can express now. And he expresses it because he's full of the Spirit. 
And what God is feeling is this anger. The spirit of the Lord fell on Saul and he was angry with what the enemy was doing. It's a good job this is solid. (laughs) He was angry. God is angry with what the devil has done. He's angry and he's determined to deal with it. How determined do you see immediately? Because not only is Saul expressing this feeling that God has, I want to deal with this because it shouldn't be so. God had a plan. And it shouldn't be so, he says. And Saul takes his two oxen and cuts them into pieces. More gore. It's a lovely story, isn't it? And so he cuts these oxen into pieces. And the reason he does it, you can read about if you look earlier. Homework. If you look earlier in 1 Samuel, you'll read about why this was significant, cutting these oxen into pieces. It was significant to the, to the people. They would understand the message that that was bringing, which was basically, come on, fight for our friends. But from God's perspective, it was like this Saul had these two oxen. That was all he had to plow the fields. It was his economic livelihood. It was what enabled him to live. And he cut it to ribbons. It was his treasured possession. It was the thing that he looked after. These oxen would be looked after very carefully because they meant that he could live in that agrarian community. And he sliced them to pieces, killed them. And God saw the predicament we were in. And he took everything that was precious and gave to death, even death on a cross. What a wonderful Lord. He was so angry and he so loved you. You can say, well, it's partly my fault. You know, I'm, a, I'm the coward. I'm the chocolate eater. But he says, but I love you. You're my people. And he gave everything for us. What a wonderful story. Saul sliced off these oxen and called the people out and numbered them. And it's interesting that what he says here He says this, you should say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have deliverance. There's a promise of deliverance. 
tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, he says, you'll be delivered. There, there is a promise of deliverance. It is possible that Jabesh Gilead could be totally released from this besieging of the enemy. They could be totally set free from it. They could be liberated. Tomorrow will be liberation day for them. Isn't that exciting? And God in Jesus has made the way for us to be liberated. You don't look terribly excited. You are liberated from the power of sin. So, <laughs> I wonder how they reacted, what we can see in a minute. But I want us to just remind ourselves that Saul knew their history. Yet still, he wanted to see total freedom. God knows your history. And still he wants to see you in total freedom. Still he wants to see you transformed. Salvation. Release. Doesn't matter whether it's cowardice or porn or chocolate. Total release. Hallelujah. And so he says, tomorrow there will be deliverance. Note this also. No conditions. He doesn't say, tomorrow you'll be released as long as you sign this paper that says, from now on, I will be very good. No, no such paper exists to be signed. He doesn't say, tomorrow I'll set you free and deliver you and liberate you as long as you follow this set of rules. No. What do you mean? It could all happen again. And the answer to that is, of course, yeah, it could, but it won't if you're truly liberated. And so, Jabesh Gilead have this message of freedom come to them. And I think it's, yes, it's verse 9 of of it, chapter 11, 1 Samuel chapter 11. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Now, I uh, had the opportunity just before this meeting started of looking in Dennis's Bible, which is a different version to mine, and see what it says. Because they were glad does not seem to sum up my impression of what it would have been like. And Wow, Dennis's version, which I think was the new RSV or something. Is that your standard Bible or whatever? It said rejoiced. They rejoiced. They were glad. Doesn't really cut it, does it? One of the other uh, translations says they were elated. Ah, elated. I bet they were elated. Can you imagine it, you know, in the trenches around Jabesh Gilead, you know? There they are, crawling around their trenches, telling one another, Saul is coming, 
Saul's coming. Saul's coming. Saul's coming. Saul's coming. Saul's coming. Wow. Wow. And they nearly get their heads shot off. Whoa. Oh, isn't it exciting? Saul is coming. He's coming to our aid. He's coming to our aid. So excited. They were elated. <laughs> Do you remember when you were elated? Were you ever elated? <laughs> I became a Christian at 11. And I understood about it, and I understood forgiveness, and, and, and yeah, I was properly saved, but I would say it was more relief than elation. Relief that I wasn't going to hell, because that was the thing that really was preached a lot in those days. They were elated. Remember when you were elated, when you got saved, you were elated, I hope. You should have been, because you were liberated. You were set free. You were given a new life. You were given a new life to enjoy. Life abundant. Life of victory. <laughs> and so the next day, they arrived. And Saul came early in the morning. And he put the troops into different orders and he routed the Ammonites totally. And there were people in, in the trenches, I spent that morning, who, oh, oh, what's that noise? Oh, what's that, what's that noise? And they sort of cautiously look over the top. Wow, there's the army of Saul. Destroying the enemy. Jabesh Gilead didn't lift a finger. Saul came. Saul came. He set them free. You cried out for help. You said, oh, God, I need to be released. And God paid the price in Jesus. And God set you free. Even though he knew your history. Even though he knew everything about you. Everything. Still, he came. Because you are worth it. To him, you're worth Jesus. You're worth it. Hallelujah. Never disparage yourself in that sense. You're worth it. And with no preconditions. And so early in the morning, with no preconditions, no signing of, of letters of intent or anything like that, just out of sheer love for you and hatred of what the enemy was doing to your life, Thank you, Jesus. wow, 
And so the story finishes there, or does it? Well, not really, because later on, at the end of 1 Samuel, the last chapter, chapter 31, there's this little story, and I'm going to read it to you because it's ever so important. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. All the valiant men. <laughs> All the valiant men. Cowards become valiant men. Liberated from their past, from their history, into a valiant future. So valiant that it's recorded here. So valiant that they would travel through the night, right through en enemy territory, right to the very wall of Bethshan, and whisk those bodies away. Because it was a disgrace to have those bodies there. And they were wanting to get rid of the disgrace. They would stand for holiness now. What about us? Like I say, it may not be cowardice, maybe other things. But maybe God's speaking to you this morning and saying, Come on, it's time. Come on, it's time for total liberation. There's ministry team people here who will pray with you. I just want you to know that God loves you, that he just wants to see you free and stand with you as you change from one degree of glory to another, from one sort of Christian to another valiant one. Amen.